All right, it is now time for everybody's favorite Thursday night event. Welcome to Talking Elite. And tonight, do we have a fun show in store for you guys tonight? Tonight, we'll be talking all about ECW. So, one of the craziest wrestling you know promotions in the 90s, where both WCW and WWF took ideas from. So, it's definitely going to be a fun show tonight. But before we get started, let me introduce you to our panel. Tonight, making his Talking Elite debut, we have Mike. How you doing, Mike? Doing pretty good. Thank you for letting me be a part of this. I look forward to doing this. Thank you. Biz Clues, <laughs> representing. And then this is for Connor. I know he's not on right now, but I know he's a big fan of Jade, so I wanted to make sure I brought this up for him. Oh, man. <laughs> we'll keep it and send it to him for sure. I think he might be in the, co in the comment section, too. So. <laughs> I love it, man. Hey, anything to do with wrestling figures, man. I love seeing. So that's awesome. Bro. Oh, I have bunches. It's ridiculous. Same. I'm a man child. Same here. And <laughs> next, we have the Tennessee Wonder. He is everybody's favorite bearded man. Please welcome everybody's favorite Talking Elite member, Adam. Hey, what's up? Hopefully I have a voice from last night. I, it was a crazy dynamite, so I screamed my head off. So, But uh, welcome, Mike. Uh, you're in for a treat. Uh, we always have fun on the Talking Elite episodes. So, Yeah, I, I, I listened to a few, and, and I really liked them. Like, you know, I just started talking to you guys, like, I think last week, and I just started really just kind of browsing through as many, and I kind of bummed out. I missed out on the, uh, the theme song ones you guys did last week. Or the oh, other man. day. We'll do a part two. <laughs> we'll do a part two. And oh. real quickly, want to give a shout out to Matt uh, in the comments. Uh, yep, I was about to Matt, pull that up. Yep. Yep. Good. Good meeting you guys. You guys were great. Uh, if anybody watched Dynamite uh, during uh, Orange Cassidy's entrance, if you saw that group of guys along the railing, they were all dressed up like <laughs> Orange Cassidy and the best friends. It was great. It was nice. fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you, did you guys get any video footage for a vlog or did you guys just go to have fun? We just went and had fun, man. Oh, we, we went to go enjoy the show. So so I am jealous because – so last night on our watch long, before I start talking about ECW, man, we were jealous of you guys because last night seemed like it really felt like a good you know, lead up to Wembley. Yeah, no, it was good. Uh, I know before we came on here, I think the – only downside of that episode last night was that Texas Chainsaw death, whatever thing it was. Um, I'm fully ready for them to do like a Nightmare on Elm Street uh, street fight. Uh, yes, can they? Um, maybe. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was it was actually a good show. Um, it was a good crowd. Crowd was energized through the whole thing. Uh, I don't think a lot of people sat down through a lot of it. Um, especially um, a couple of matches like the, the main event. A lot of people were standing for that. Um, I mean, everybody was standing for the for the opening where, you know, the BCC and, you know, everybody was fighting. And, you know, obviously Eddie Kingston challenged them to stampede fight at Wembley, which is going to be insane. Um, so but I, overall, it was it was a good show. It was a really fun show to go to. Uh, Connor and I really had a good time. 
Uh, and, you know, we, we talked while we were there about, you know, storylines, where they're going, um, you know, wrestlers that were there were like, you know, where do we go with that and all that stuff. So it really was just a, a fun time. Yeah, I am. I'm super jealous. Uh, Mike, what did you think of the show last night? Did you enjoy it? I actually, so we watched it every Wednesday and, you know, I'm a, as I tell my brother, I'm a, I'm a dynamite guy, not a collision guy, <laughs> but yeah. uh, I actually, so the, the, the format, how they did it, they did a lot of the promos pretty much in the early beginning of the show, which was kind of really where they did like back to back, which was something I haven't seen them really do. And I thought it was kind of interesting because they kind of did like more of a chaotic, a control chaos kind of style show uh you know obviously with like run-ins and stuff like that and of course the the texas chainsaw massacre match that was it was so bad it was good <laughs> you know just like if you watch movies like velocity velocipastry you just it's so bad it's good you know and that's what it was my brother was actually on his phone the whole time and he just like he he just looked over at me he's like i haven't watched this what is going on it just sounds like chaos i was like it's a lot <laughs> there's a lot going on yeah, it was uh, for sure different. That, that's for sure. Yeah, it was very different. But you know, like we, like it's been reported, they they got it. Put the money for that. They put it out to the proceeds all to Maui to the victims of the wildfire there. So that's a plus. Plus everything from the show and the merch all went out to them. So I mean, it boosted. It, you know. So yeah, it made sense to put that in there. And wrestling doesn't have to be as serious every episode. You do have to have a little bit of the entertainment even though AEW is a bit more known for doing a lot more wrestling style. But I thought it was, you know, I digress. But going back to it, like, it, it was a pretty solid show, I thought. I, I hope yeah. next week is going to be a banger uh, before oh, we go yeah. to London. And for sure, like, next week, um, that's actually a good plug, because next week we're going to do a Wembley uh, ramp-up. So we're going to talk Wembley by the numbers. We're going to talk about the matches. We're going to go more in detail about – last night's dynamite and next week's dynamite for sure. So make sure you guys uh, come back next week for that. And uh, it's, it's going to be crazy. I'm excited for Wembley. Uh, yeah. So especially, especially with that main event with Adam Cole and MGF, because what they have is something special. I actually think at this point, it's better than the bloodline. <laughs> I agree. Only because I feel like the bloodline is they're not running it. It's not, it's losing a little steam. It's yeah. losing a little steam right now because it's kind of getting like, okay, now this guy turned, he crossed, he's back. He's, it, it's not as fresh for right now where you had this the biggest heel in the industry essentially turning babyface, breaking out of his insecurities of no friends yeah. with one of the top one of the top wrestlers in the industry as well. So that's obviously overshadowing what they have going on with the bloodline. Yeah, for and sure. MJF's great. He's great on the mic. He, right now, you know, when he first came out on the first All In, you know, I was like watching. It's like this guy is not really a huge, you know, not a big spot fest kind of wrestler, and he's actually more traditional a little bit. Of course, he needs to pull out the stops he can, but I always thought he was yeah. going to be huge. And then when he got on the mic, oh my god, perfect. He's a perfect fit for a main event for sure. So all right. Well, thank Sorry you. Sorry for rambling. Oh, no, you're good. Like I said, the talking elite, that's what's fun about it is we, we can go off on tangents. And and like I said, especially with what's going on in wrestling, too, like the show was made, you know, from AEW fans for AEW fans. So 
I love it, Mike. Love your take on that. It's actually, like I said, really good to have you on finally. We've been talking about it for, I think, a couple weeks now. So mm-hmm. glad to have you. Um, Mike Morris uh, is wishing one of our new listeners, uh, Matt. Uh, this is on the U.S. side. Awesome. Um, Bush1G, shout out. Good to see you, brother. Mr. Jacobs, unfortunately, is not able to make it tonight, but he is excited for our ECW episode. Just like I said, this is going to be probably one of the best episodes I think we've done. Like I said, it's going to be awesome, especially to have, you know, ECW really was that promotion that has, that basically led the breadcrumbs for what Japan is and Ring of Honor was back in the day. And then now with AEW and NXT, like, I feel like without EC, if if it wasn't for ECW, we wouldn't have the modern realistic side of pro wrestling. No, um, and it's a, it's truly an interesting history uh, when you look at ECW because you know I'm showing my age, but <laughs> I, I watched all of ECW through through my childhood in the '90s. Um, and man, how it started um, because I, Lane, I don't know if you were going to no, go into the go history ahead. of Tell, it. I have the notes um, on it, but go ahead and explain it. Go ahead. <clears throat> so basically, it started out as a co co promotion with Eastern Championship Wrestling and the NWA. They were kind of cross-promoting. All all the same wrestlers were going to each one. Um, It it was uh, the, um, at the time, uh, Hot Stuff, Eddie Gilbert, uh, was the booker of Extreme uh, Eastern Championship Wrestling. Um, But um, he had a bad um, relationship falling out with Todd Gordon, who at the time was the president of Eastern Championship Wrestling. Um, so to switch it up, uh, Todd Gordon brought in fresh young face Paul Heyman, who was recently released from WCW. Um, and so uh, he wanted something new. Um, so bringing in Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman wanted to change things up. Paul, uh, if you've ever seen the documentary of the rise and fall of ECW, um, <clears throat> Paul wanted to get away from the old traditional wrestling that was the nwa that was the stronghold of traditional wrestling and he wanted to break away from that and so the idea was they were hosting a tournament um because this is probably one of my favorite moments in in sports rest in uh, wrestling history pro wrestling history they had a tournament to crown the new nwa champion um and a lot of the wrestlers in the tournament was from eastern championship wrestling and they wanted to change uh, namely someone like Shane Douglas, the franchise at the, at that time, he was called the franchise Shane Douglas. Franchise. <clears throat> um, he had won the tournament. He had beaten uh, two cold Scorpio in the final and he was given the title. Um, and uh, I'm going to try to do the best I can. Um, I do have his speech up here um, of what he said when he won that title. Uh, he, um, he goes, in tradition of Luthez, in the tradition of Jack Briscoe and the Briscoe brothers, or Dory Funk Jr., Terry Funk, the man who will never die, as the real nature boy Buddy Rogers upstairs tonight from the Harley races to the Barry Windhams to the Ric Flairs, I accept this heavyweight title. And then he says, wait a second. I'm Kerry Von Eric. I'm the fat man himself, Dusty Rhodes. This is, and then he says, because his dad had just passed away. So he goes, this is it tonight, dad. He goes, this thing's beautiful. He goes, Ricky Steamboat. He goes, they can all kiss my ass. Uh, he goes goes on to say, after throwing the belt down, 
he goes, I am not the man who accepts a torch to be handed down to me from an organization that died seven years ago. The franchise Shane Douglas is the man who ignites the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling. Then he grabs the Eastern Championship belt. He goes, tonight, before God and my father is my witness, I declare myself the franchise as the new ECW heavyweight champion of the world. We have set out to change the face of professional wrestling. So tonight, let the new era begin, the era of sport of professional wrestling, the era of the franchise, the era of the ECW. Wow, what a speech for sure. And that's what started it all? That 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 is known as the the night the line was crossed, um, and the president at that time. Um, let me see if I can find his name. Um, uh, it was uh, Dennis, uh, the NWA president Dennis Corleluzudo or Lozuo was interviewed um, after that and said it was bad taste that Shane Douglas threw the belt down and disrespectful all that. Um, and in a little flame, and that's what Paul, I guess the, the story goes that the only three people that knew that that was going to happen, uh, was Paul Heyman, Shane Douglas, and Todd Gordon. Wow. You know, what's another interesting thing too, is, um, just the whole idea behind ECW. Do you know what wrestler sparked it when they went to the extreme side? Do you know what wrestler that Paul Heyman gives credit to? It was Terry Funk. Terry Funk. That my, my fair quotes, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but giving credit to Terry Funk because Terry Funk's mentality was, you know, if you're coming to a show to pay this much yen, okay, I want you to leave saying, wow, I would have paid twice as much. Or I, I'm paraphrasing here because that was a quote from Paul Heyman. But just to think, like, Terry Funk was also another big inspiration behind extreme championship wrestling like another huge kicking point off so uh mike what did you what were you a ecw guy back in the day so i was a little young so <laughs> growing up i always watched like wcw nitro and then i found wwf it was they were just coming out of the next generation era going into the attitude era and i never really knew i always thought there was those two never saw anything at ecw until like the very end so I unfortunately didn't get to see a lot of the ECW in the heyday. I more saw it on the downside, unfortunately. And then, and then of course, when they got the network out, the WWE network, I was able to look back on a lot of things I did miss. Um, but by then there was already a huge market of wrestling out there that I kind of put on the back burner, but there's still things I remember from ECW, you know, um, like for instance, when Kurt Angle went was supposedly at the event and it was Raven and they put him on the cross and yeah. Kurt Angle's like, no, I'm not joining you guys, dude. Yeah, that but, was um, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. It was it yeah. was Raven crucifying the Sandman. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, and of course, you see so many of these huge matches that still hold up to its own, like, you know, the Terry Funk and the Sabu barbed wire match. Yep. You know, looking back on a lot of these old ones, and then you look at the older, like in the mid days before they started getting really extreme, was when they had the original Benoit and Guerrero matches and the Malenko matches, and a lot more of the cruiserweight technical style of wrestling that they had. 
um, that's when I, the stuff I was kind of focusing more on. You know, and looking at it now, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like how much really, kind of, um, th- I think there was a comment. Let me see if I can find it. Um, oh, there it was Mr. Jacobs brought up a very good point. If it wasn't for ECW, there would be no WWF attitude era. Agreed. That is probably the most true statement. And I think, you know, I think looking back now, Paul Heyman was such a mad genius coming in, taking over, you know, from going you know, to that realistic side, like Adam was mentioning, think about it. He turned, you know, he turned pretty boy, Tommy dreamer into one of the, you know, the biggest baby faces in that company. Then um, who was the surfer? Was it Sandman or was it, um, or was it Sabu? I don't think I'm there was a, a surfer. I just I remember S- Sandman used to come out in more colorful clothes than just regular black sweats. He he, he came sweats. out. He came. So was, I remember Sandman. He come out to the whole. Um, the, the he's got like the Zubas, like the Zuba sweatpants <laughs> on, and like the white T-shirt with the beard, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> um, and I think it was his kind of coming to the, like with a beer kind of inspired like the Stone Cold <laughs> character, you know, um, with the beer. Um, but maybe it was Sandman that was the surfer. I don't know. I don't it was know. somebody. Maybe there was, was. some that was. It was either it was either Sabu or someone in the comments knows. Oh, it was yeah, it was Sandman. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Mr. Jacobs did verify that. Thanks, Mr. Jacobs. Um, but it's crazy to think that he took very character-driven type wrestling and then turned it around. And then it kind of started our kicking off point with 1997's Barely Legal, where I feel like that's where a lot of people started getting behind the extreme side of wrestling. Yeah, and and actually, if anybody's seen the documentary of the rise and fall of ECW, that pay-per-view almost didn't happen. Um, Really? If if nobody knows the incident, I mean, we've talked about it before. I'm sure a lot of people know about it. Um, I'm sure a lot of people in the comments know about it. Uh, Mr. Jacobs and I have mentioned it in comments um, and then shows uh, it was the mass transit incident. Um, That's where they had mass transit incident? That the mass transit incident happened. Um, And uh, what had happened was uh, it was supposed to be a match between – Devon and New Jack against, um, uh, God, who was it? I think it was, um, I keep forgetting who it was. It was, it wasn't Mahoney. It wasn't Bald Mahoney. It was the other guy. It was Axel Rotten. Um, Axel Rotten couldn't make it. He had an emergency. So in his place, uh, there's this guy there who claimed to be 21 years old. But he wasn't. He lied about his age. He was actually 17. Um, and he went by the name of Mass Transit. He dressed as like a bus driver. And he kind of, according to... He was I kind of a big boy. He was a big boy. I can't remember who said it on the documentary. But someone says he was like a Ralph Crampton looking guy. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and so what had happened was New Jack just beat him up. And I guess backstage Mass Transit, this kid, I keep forgetting his real name had mentioned to New Jack about certain spots he wanted to do. And then he mentioned about something. He's like, cut me. I, I really want to get cut. I've never done it before. And New Jack was just not having any of this kid's attitude because this kid also wanted certain spots. And New Jack wasn't going to do that. So he beat the <laughs> hell out of him in the ring. And it was on. It caught, it was caught on camera. You could hear the kid's dad yell, he's just 17, knock it off. 
Um, and what happened was they found out about that, and then the network wanted to pull the pay-per-view. Um, but Paul actually went back and, and begged and pleaded and just said, give us this chance. I promise you it's going to be a good pay-per-view, and, and they got it back. So, Which is great because to think that that almost didn't happen or wasn't almost shown, it just really shows you what kind of guy New Jack is. <laughs> Don't piss off New Jack. Why is yeah. Wise words to live by for sure. Oh, um, Frank Newman's name was Eric Kulas. Thank you, thank you, Frank. So, yeah, it, yeah. I was going to quickly say, I'm sorry to interrupt. But I was going to say, uh, like, even in the interview, uh, the documentary Rise and Fall, uh, they said that even when he was getting stretchered away, he said, "Don't worry, Dad, I'm part of the boys now." <laughs> But he got lacerated with the scalpel from New Jack went across oh. him. And they're just saying, dude, he bled. It was flapping. All sorts of crazy shit. <laughs> so don't piss off New Jack. Yeah. Wise words. Ask ask Vic Grimes. Ask Vic Grimes. Yes. Humpty Dumpty. Hard fall for sure. Man will never go on a scaffold ever in his life ever again. Nope. He oh, got tased and chucked. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, before we get to the next portion, uh, Mike says, uh, and this is one of my favorite matches, or probably one of my favorite like feuds in history, Dreamer versus Raven. Still one of the best feuds to ever happen in wrestling. Honestly, it might be second to mine in the original ECW days. Again, it might be mine, might be Sandman and Raven. Another um, great that, classic. That too. might be my favorite rivalry, just based on the fact that you didn't know where the line was blurred of reality and story when you bring in Sandman's ex-wife and real-life son to the story. And, I mean, y- y- you play with people's emotions. You're like, is this real? Like, is this, like part of the story like we can't tell this is goes back to lane you and i talking about kayfabe you know (laughs) like do we do we do we talk do we 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 consider this a real story or do we consider this oh my god no it's just part of the show they're all cool backstage like it's fine it's part of it so i think that's what really was a great storyline for me back in the early days of ecw i really feel like that was another thing that really helped put him on the map for sure. And then I was kind of looking at the match card. Uh, I just pulled it up real quick. And this seems like a pretty stacked pay-per-view card. So you had um, the ECW World Heavyweight title match between Raven and Terry Funk. I feel like and that, that was, was after and that and that was after a three-way ladder match um with or a three-way dance with Funk, Sandman, and Stevie Richards. Yep. I was about to get to that. Yep. So we had that one. Uh, we had Sabu versus Taz. We had the franchise, Shane Douglas versus, um, the, is it the Pitbull? Pitbull 2. Pitbull 2. Um, then you had uh, Mitsu Yakashi, Grand Hamba. Oh, I think I pronounced that right. The Great Sasuke. And then versus... Uh, Dick Togo and Takamuki. And then yeah, the yeah, another great match. I might have to go back and watch this one because I don't remember this one. But Lance Storm versus Rob Van Dam. 
Yeah, and Rob Van Dam wasn't even supposed to be on the pay-per-view. He wasn't? No, Lance Storm was supposed to wrestle someone else, but that person couldn't make it. So um, Rob Van Dam decided to go. Um, and he's actually talked about it a lot. You know, he's talked about it on the documentary. He talks about it in interviews. He talked about it at his um, um, his uh, Hall of Fame ceremony. Um, he, he mentioned, he goes, you know, I wasn't even supposed to be on the first pay-per-view. You know, and he even got on the mic at that show. If you watch the video of it, he goes, I wasn't supposed to lace my boots up tonight. He goes, but because of me winning tonight, I'm worth more here. And now Rob Van Dam is now worth more elsewhere. Yeah, that's true. So, because think about it, when you think ECW, and the first names that come to mind is, you know, Rob Van Dam. And then the last match on that, or last match that, you know, I think this is not a good, good match. I think I've seen this one, but it's been a while. The Dudley Boys versus the Eliminators for the tag belts. I can't remember. I, I think I've seen it like once or twice. And I've, I'm going to have to go back and watch Barely Legal. And that's what I'm going to do after this. I'm giving you guys homework. Go back and watch Barely Legal after this. So everybody in the comment section, go back and watch Barely Legal. <laughs> this sounds like a great, you know, pay-per-view on just on paper. Uh, yeah yeah no it's yeah it was a cool pay-per-view i I just recently watched it again last year um i think in november i watched it on peacock because peacock's got all the old ecw tapes so it's like yeah so if you get peacock you can watch old episodes of hardcore tv the pay-per-views you know um so i went back and watched it and i was like yeah this is a really good (laughs) pay-per-view yeah um mike I'm hoping this is a joke. Um, I don't know, how, but I definitely would not agree to your comment. Or I don't know. I wonder what happened if Vince Russo didn't go to WCW and went to ECW instead. It would not work at all. I feel like Paul Heyman would just shut everything down that he would come up with. Respect to Russo. I did gain more respect from after uh, the Bash of the Beach documentary from Dark. I told you. I told you you would too. I told you, if you watch that documentary, you're going to gain a little more respect for Vince Russo. Yeah. <laughs> and I think then, if, uh, if Russo was in ECW, I think Heyman, Paulie, would actually book Cornette versus Russo. Yes. And he would make money off of that. Oh, dude, no. Yeah. <laughs> I still want that match to happen. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm on the Cornette train when it comes to Russo. <laughs> Uh, no, the man it, sold me on why I should not like Vince Russo. He sold a lot of people. It, like it, was, it took me literally watching the Bash of the Beach documentary to say, okay, Vince Russo is not all bad. He did come up with a lot of bad ideas, but we do forget that he did come up with this is your life. Yeah, the thing with, with Russo is he had hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of ideas, but when we went to WCW. He didn't have Vince McMahon to filter them. And that's why that's why you're kind of what are you booking now, dude? <laughs> I honestly thought he booked that Texas Chainsaw match last night. It, what, you know what? It, it, it might have been. I kept saying, "What in the TNA hell is going on right now, dude?" It's all TNA guys too. I was like, "This is some Impact or not Impact TNA like old like 2006 2005 Impact or TNA." Yeah. So even so, we when we were in the crowd, you could look up at the announce table while, while they were all backstage, like doing their like 
moments in that match. And Tony Schiavone's sitting there watching the screen. And even he looked like he didn't know what was going on in that match. And so I had the, well, not the audacity, but I had the part in me to yell, hey, Tony, is this worse than Bash at the Beach 2000? <laughs> and you can just see Tony go like this, just go. You could see him laugh a little bit, okay. a little bit, because it was quiet when I yelled it, and and he, you just her saw a <laughs> smile from Tony, and I was what? like, I mean, honesty, Vince Russo had okay ideas when he was with WWF, but when he got to WCW, it hit the fan. It was just bad. New blood. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Well. Um... Thanks, Richie, for watching. Um, fortunately, Connor is not able to make it tonight um, due to uh, he had something come up last minute. So we hope he's on next week. Uh, we missed having him. So, Connor, uh, I know he's probably in the comment section. Uh, thank you so much for still watching and hope you can make it next week for sure. Another thing, too, kind of looking at it as we start to kind of go through our journey here through ECW. But when you think ECW, one thing that I instantly come to mind is F. T W and, and do you know why Taz created the FTW World Championship? Yeah, um, I actually know. Again, this is just me knowing my knowledge of ECW because <laughs> it just it was such a great thing that I had loved watching. Um, he did it because him and Shane Douglas never fought for the world title uh, yep. when Shane Douglas was the champion, and he wanted to be known as a champion. So he created it, and he actually he actually debuted it on an episode, I think, of Hardcore TV, saying, you know, you can call it the F, F the world belt. You can call it the Brooklyn Championship. You can call it whatever. He goes, but this belt represents the world title that I don't have. He goes, so Shane Douglas, if you have the balls come out here, let's go belt for belt, see who the real man is. Like, that's why. And honestly, there has been only two – before during that time, only two FTW champs, him and Sam Sabu. Right, I forgot Sabu was the only person to hold it during the original ECW. <laughs> Wasn't days. there a third that technically held it though? When it when everything just kind of like when ECW shut its doors, wasn't there a third person like on the indie there, scene? There might have been. I remember I was book. hearing something about that when they brought it back in. Because I know they Jack unified the the with the ECW championship down the road. So I thought like there was a third. Yeah, Taz. Of course. No, no, it was it was it was just Taz and Sabu. Um, Taz oh. wanted a second time. Yeah. Um, but then it was uh, when it went out. The the newer one was brought back when Brian Cage was was given it by by Taz. Yeah. So. Yeah, because yeah, because uh, uh, before that, like I said after that, it's really only the AEW, um, really only an AEW where you've had multiple champions. So, but looking at it, like that belt and just the way that Taz carried himself and the way it's even booked now, like I feel like it, I know it, I know it's not like as prestige as the AEW or the WWE Championship, but. I feel like the FTW, I feel like it means more to that holder. I feel like you are literally going against the world when you hold that belt. You know, look at how Brian, look at Brian Cage, look at his reign with it. And then, you know, Ricky Starks, Hook, Jungle Boy, 
you know, those four really like they really are literally saying the world and going against the grain, especially with Hook, his own son carrying the belt that his dad has made so iconic. What's going to happen now when they actually re- when he retires it next Wednesday when Jack Perry? Ooh, that's going to be interesting. I don't like, know if he's going to actually retire it. Um, I think he's going to try, he's... and then another ECW original is going to show up and be like, no, let me try to win it from you, and it's just going to continue. Can we Bully think... Ray? <sighs> Bully Ray and Tommy have both said they'd love to be on there. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. How, how bad is Taz's neck? Bad. He can't wrestle. It's bad? Because I was going to say, bad. can he come in and just do like a two-spot – Taz mission, it's, knock him it, out. His neck is so <laughs> infused, and it's so bad. Like, when he walks, he barely turns his head. He has to turn, like, his whole body. Like, oh, it is man. that bad. Yeah, it's it's so infused and so out of whack that I think one spot might break his neck. <laughs> yeah, so it's probably yeah. – Like, even if it is just, like, a Jack Perry trying to swing on him and, and he ducks and chokes him out, even that might hurt him. <laughs> Yeah, and that sucks because I've always liked when Taz debuted at the Rumble. I always thought it was like really like you know he had the mohawk, he had the towel, he had the music, and then you just like it was just like dude the Taz mission that was it. You're like wait what? And he just suplexed everyone, and that was like that's what got me to kind of look more into like Taz matches growing up when I was when I was younger to try to find more about ECW and what he did. And then finding out that he did create the FTW championship. I was just like, what? That's crazy. Like, this man just created a championship because he says, fuck it. <laughs> you know? Pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. And it's our one F-bomb. We can drop one F-bomb per show. Oh, one F, okay. Well, it is the extreme, you know, side of the all-lead zone tonight. So, you know, screw the censors. <laughs> Except YouTube. YouTube's algorithm will shut us yeah. down. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, are we? Are we? Yeah, we're five minutes, right? I, I keep forgetting their algorithm where you have to be a certain time past. No, it is a, it is a minute. You have to yeah, be a right. minute past the whole start of the video, and you can do whatever you say or say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, sorry. We had a we had a member on here that's no longer uh, with the show. This is this is during when I was taking my my uh, when I was taking my break for a little bit. Um, but apparently he dropped like what an f bomb every like five seconds. I was like using as like a cur- like a cursive mark instead of a or not cursive but uh, a comma instead instead of words. Mm-hmm. So yeah. No. <laughs> so like I said, so if you want to go back and watch Extreme, I can't remember <laughs> what episode it was. It was one of the uh, watch alongs, but, but Connor sent the clip because YouTube actually clipped it <laughs> and sent it to him saying, "Hey, you need to stop." Yeah. Wait, okay, so when was Undertaker in ECW? Because Mike's saying that he was in ECW. Was it was like I wanna was it say it was or was yeah, it or, I think it was or, Mean Mark Callis is when he was in ECW. So it was like a brief like maybe one or two matches. Let's see. That would make sense because Paulie was his manager true back in wcw so yeah that is, that is true what was he part of the uh, what was the um it was him and sid vicious you, they were originally like a tag team 
I don't think he ever was in. He was, I don't think I think so. he was in WCW. I know he's I in WCW. WCW. He was WCW. He was um, uh, Mean Mark in WCW. Um, I don't think he ever appeared in ECW. I don't think so. Uh, Mike, if no. you can, if you could tell us when he was there, because I remember he was in WCW for sure, but I don't remember him. You know, I don't remember him in it. Uh, because as soon as he was done with WCW, uh, he did some touring uh, in Texas. He appeared with New Japan as the Punisher, Dice Morgan. Uh, then he wrestled in the USWA, and then he debuted in 1990 in the Wrestling Federation. Right, okay. World Wrestling Federation. Yeah, then, then the timeline wouldn't have made sense if, if Taker was supposedly yeah. in ECW. Because it was in, like, you know what, 92, 94, that Eastern Championship started? Yeah, Eastern Championship Wrestling had been around, but Extreme Championship Wrestling didn't really take off until 94. Yeah, it was around. I think it was I like 94. It was 94 during that tournament is when that happened. Yeah. Yeah. It was like it was like between ninety four and ninety six, I think. And, it, and yeah. Taker debuted in ninety one. In nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, so I guess I knew he was in WCW, but unless it was like no, I don't think. Yeah, I think you're right. He, he, I don't think they've been in. No, he he. I think he he wrestled or something on ECW one time when it was WWE ECW. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's true. <laughs> we'll get to that here in a few. We'll get to that here in shortly about the whole the one night stand, and then oh dear lord, what do they do to our baby? <laughs> well, you know it's yeah. So um, just crazy. But then 1999 would hit after a crazy 1998. 1999 would hit, and they would join up with the TNN network. And this, unfortunately, is when it started downfalling of ECW. Yeah, TNN, I, I mean, when it came to networking, it was really hard because at that point, WWE, WWF at the time, and WCW started taking performers from ECW, which Paul Heyman couldn't do anything about. Um, he, he couldn't afford to keep people. He says he... You know, you see the documentary of ECW, you know, Rise and Fall, and Bully said it in the interview. He said, you know, when we, when he said when we were leaving, we didn't want to leave. You know, he goes, but we had to for financial reason. And all we asked for was a dollar raise. And Paul looked at them and said, I can't compete with WWF and I can't compete with their money. He wouldn't even give them a dollar raise to stay. So, um, Right before they went on TNN, they lost a lot of their of their top guys on the card. Um, you know, they lost Raven, um, they lost Taz, they lost uh, the Dudleys, um, they lost all the Luchas. They lost all the Lucha wrestlers um, to they WCW. Yep, they lost Ray. They lost Juventus. They lost all of that. They lost Psychosis. Dean Malenko. They Super lost crazy. Dean Malenko, and they lost Eddie Guerrero. Um, they lost a lot of good performers in the ECW that time that TNN wanted to bring them on TV. 
it's it's sad, really. But fortunately, you know, it's kind of it's kind of sad to say that they had to go because money wise, and for them not wanting to go, but they unfortunately they did what was best for their families and for their careers. You know, that that's sad, especially when they wanted to stay, but, but Paul just couldn't couldn't keep them. Yeah, and it was kind of hard too because WWF at the time was really thriving and they were throwing hard money offers out there too. And they also started around that the hardcore division. And they're they were like, hey, we can put you into the, these programs here, you know, where the case is. And then you got the endless ATM of Ted Turner with WCW. And by the way, WCW's hardcore division sucked <laughs> compared to what WWF had. Their title even looked ugly. It looked uglier than the actual hardcore title. But um, but yeah, so it was, it was really hard. And they did, like you guys mentioned, they lost a lot of those guys that ended up going to WCW and like Axel Rotten went to WCW and what happened? They closed the doors. And yep. then he got injured how many times, you know, out there doing his spots. And at the time too, like, the turmoil between the three companies with your ECW guy going into WWF, you know, it was a hard transition. I can only imagine, especially with people like when the, um, uh, who was the tag team that faced uh, the acolytes, uh, not the original gangsters, but they get pretty much got slammed through tables by Farouk and Bradshaw. I can't remember their names right now. I hope someone could help me out here with the in the comments. <laughs> but they but, had to deal with oh go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're, you're. I was just gonna say, you know, they, they just had a tough time even acclimating to the different atmospheres of different companies, even though they got paid more money for it, in my opinion. Well, it's almost like they it's like the whole WWF mentality. Think about it, you come in from another company, especially with WCW, for the most part. You're gonna get buried. Oh yeah. Because even I think Jericho for a while was was uh, he came in had a hot little segment with The Rock, but then it took him a while to get the momentum back. You know, and it's like the whole thing like, hey, we beat we beat you, we took some of your guys, we beat you. Now we're gonna make you basically work for your spot again, even though you have a proven track record of being consistent and being there every time. You know, look at the only really the only person that really hasn't had too much of an effect on was Goldberg and Cody Rhodes. I I think everybody else had to basically work their way back up, going from ECW or WCW back to WWF or to WWF or AEW. So Vince likes to hold a grudge. <laughs> he does oh, not yeah. like competition. He'll embarrass you. Well, here's the thing, too, about guys being buried. I mean, even when Jericho was picked up from WCW, from ECW, he, he had a nice little run with the television championship over in WCW, and then he just got buried, like, out of nowhere for a storyline between two NWO factions kind of took over the airwaves. You know, uh, Lane, we talked about this on that on the episode of Rise and Fall of WCW with the two factions of the NWO. You had the NWO Black and White and then the NWO Wolfpack. And that was pretty much taking up all of TV on WCW. So everybody else was like in the like in the back and got buried. Um, and honestly, I as much as I love you, Lane, I have to disagree with you. I don't think Jericho got buried at all in WWF. 
Okay. I, I honestly think he got he got a good career in WWF. I mean, you don't become a nine-time Intercontinental Champion. You don't become the first undisputed heavyweight champion. Yeah. You don't headline a WrestleMania with Triple H. I mean, that's a career. He he's a multiple-time tag team champion. He, he's he's had a Hall of Fame career, um, and he's still going to this very day. He's still front and center on on, on yeah. AEW's roster. I mean, there, there's this guy has not been buried. Since the earlier the, the the mid to late days of WCW, I think yeah. that's where even on ECW television he was he was mentioned a lot. He was put there because all those ECW faithfuls they they circulated tapes around and saw him in New Japan as the Lionheart. So that's how he got recognized by the ECW fans was because of tape trading or tape trading. They they were just watching New Japan Pro Wrestling tapes and they saw him, and, and that's how they knew who he was. Um and so I don't I, I I don't think he's one example of getting buried. I think someone you look at that gets yeah. buried completely was Cody Rhodes. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm a big Cody Mark, and I hate to say that, but I am. I love Cody Rhodes. Always have since he debuted as the babyface son of, of the, the plumber, um, you know. But, but he has – his career in WWE had been so weird. You know, and, you know, going from uh, dashing Cody Rhodes wearing the, the clear mask to winning the Intercontinental Champion to, you know, f- having the weirdest feud with Big Show to <laughs> going to the weirdest character of Stardust um, and Gosh. trying to do something with it um, to creating a company like AEW um, to leaving AEW to go back to WWE, where, in fact, he's he's getting the TV time. He's getting the fans behind him. But, but he's still getting put in the back of it. You know what I mean? He's still clawing his way to be be present as as the top as one of the top guys in that company. Um, so, but but again, I think with going back to what we were saying with ECW on TNN, it, it also came down to the TNN wanted to do business with WWE because they had more money than ECW, yeah. even though ECW was their number one show on Friday nights. It was that or the roller derby show. <laughs> Which was crazy because if you watch old like Friday night show tapes of hardcore TV on our ECW on TNN, yeah. you, you have 30 minutes left. You have Joey Styles back backstage saying stick around because you still got 30 minutes of action here on ECW followed by roller derby. Like he's totally <laughs> promote the next show. And it was all from, from the, the, the network. And Paulie hated networks. He wanted it as a cash flow. He saw it as a way of let's we're making more money from the networks. We can do more stuff. You know, we can pay talent. But it wasn't. He wasn't making any money from the network. He was. It was the point where he had to make money for the network. They weren't giving him money for for his show. Um, and he's quoted it many times. He he in his words, he thinks ECW would still be around today if they had gotten another network. Yeah, all he needed was a backer. They had the product, they had the talent, but man, that that backing—it's it's sad to see that because think about it, they weren't giving him any sponsorship money, and even they were even convincing other sponsors to pull out too, and other advertising. They were literally sabotaging him. They were basically using it as a test pilot for the WWF. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we go back to we go back to the episode that we talked about WCW, the rise and fall. And I think I mentioned on there that 
uh, Eric Bischoff wanted to buy WCW. Um, and it was on that recent episode of uh, Dark Side of the Ring with uh, the uh, Bash at the Beach 2000 um, when they were talking about it. Um, and, you know, Bischoff said he, he had the money ready. He was ready to buy. Um, and someone called and said it's done. And he thought the deal was done. He was going to buy the company. But realistically, they were saying, no, WCW is done. We, we, we just got bought out by WWF. Uh, WWE, Vince McMahon just bought WCW. So, yeah. I mean, it kind of felt the same way with ECW. You know, you're like, maybe Paul can buy the company, but Paul had no money. Yeah. I mean, they were doing their promos, writing the scripts down in his basement in the early early years of ECW. Like, that's how DIY it was, you know? The fact that they ended up getting a lot of good, you know, networking with, like, the Hammerstein Ballroom and, of course, places in Philadelphia where it all happened, you know, that I think really helped. But I think if they could have probably helped survive a little more if they actually – because merchandise probably then in the independence was probably not as big as it is now. I think that would have helped kind of hard to say because they were hemorrhaging money, <laughs> but it probably would have helped prolong them closing the doors down and selling to WWF. Yeah, for sure. In my, in my opinion, all it, all it needed was a little more t-shirt revenue. Cause you know, people were still even wearing like the old ECW shirts to one mm-hmm. night stand, you know, all those years later when WWE took it over, you know, ECW shirts probably one of the most, expensive t-shirts out there right now that you could buy yeah yeah i'm, I'm kind of surprised like when when of course we knew when they bought ecw but when they revamped it i know you mentioned we'll get into this later but i just want to throw us out there like i'm really shocked that for how little he could have put towards it he could have made its own separate entity and just by itself don't put it on before SmackDown or anything, just do small events. Just make it a small production and have that style of wrestling just away from WWE before they yeah. entertained it up, you know? The, the the thing about Vince is, and I mean, us as wrestling fans, we should know this about Vince already. He wants his baby. He yeah. wants complete control of his baby. He wants it to ran the way he wants it. Mm-hmm. Um, he was not going to have a, another promotion come over here kind of revamp it into something different and call it his when it really wasn't his. And he knows that he knows Mm -hmm. it wasn't his original idea. So he did what he did with it to see, Hey, I'm going to milk it for what it's worth right now to make some money off of it as a profit. I'm going to sell ECW merch, make some money. Um, It's, it's, it's capitalism one oh one. you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to milk this for what it's worth. I'm going to take all this money and you know what? If it starts to dwindle, guess what? I already own it. I can close my book on it if I want to. And he did. Closed it. He's like, done. We're done with ECW stuff. You know, it, it was good while it lasted, but we're done. I milked it. I've got enough money because I got other stuff going on because now we have NXT. We've got Raw. We got SmackDown. You know, it, it, they were basically, he was ruling everything with an iron fist. You know, and it's the same that. thing. Go ahead. <laughs> it's, no, I'm saying it's the same way today, today too. Well, people are like looking at the the booking of creative on WWE programming. And they're like, some of this stuff is questionable. It's like, well, because Vince still has a say in it. If people think Triple H is 100% in control, you're delusional. Vince Mm -hmm. is going to be like, this is still my company. 
this is still my baby. I'm putting influences. I mean, look at the last couple of SmackDowns and Raw. They got changed up because Vince wanted it to. It's repeating. It's history's repeating itself again, for sure. But go ahead, Mike. You were going to say something. No, I was just listening. I, I lost my train of thought. So I think <laughs> I think I was going to say something of like, but they had Paul like going to run it in the beginning, and he did, and then they cut him loose, and they had someone else run the ECW shows. Yep. But it still yeah. would it still would have been a shell of its or a former shell of itself what it used to be. But like the one night stands that they had, minus when they had the whole raw locker room guys and the SmackDown locker room guys come out, that was kind of like. Eh. Could have done without it, but like the first one night stand was like really amazing, like a little love letter to ECW, and then yeah, Vince just wanted to milk it, like you're saying. And oh, that's what I was gonna say, because you mentioned NXT. the The rebirth of ECW was actually the seed of NXT. Yeah, because remember they switched it when it was like the whole game show style thing and. I was like, what happened to ECW on Tuesday? Yeah. What's, what's this crap? Yeah. <laughs> Why is there judges? It's tough enough. Well, because yeah. well, because it was because it was the birth because it was from FCW, the, the old FCW days, you know, we talked about this where you know FCW gave, you know, the, that 2002 class of FCW is probably the most mm-hmm. talked about class you'll ever hear. You know, because you had Batista, you had John Cena, you had Shelton Benjamin, you had Brock Lesnar. Um, it was just a who's who in that class. Um, but FCW, they, they, they didn't want to do it anymore with FCW. So they wanted to develop their own in-house stuff. And that's where, like I said, Mike, like you said, Mike, I think that's where the brainchild came from was the transition of ECW into NXT. So, I mean, but yeah, no, I just, um, I think another thing, that kind of want to touch about with ECW before we get ahead of ourselves is um, it, it is a lot of drama with a lot of personalities backstage at ECW um, because a lot of guys just wanted to leave and not say anything to Paul. Um, you look at the, I think one incident, I think everybody wants to talk about back in that day is the Mike awesome incident um, where at the time Mike awesome was the ECW champion and he's over on WCW. Um, he's got WCW contract, That's you know, and, and guy. As yeah, the 70s guy. Yeah. And he's just and he shows up, he beats Kevin Nash with a crutch, and he's just there. And they're like, Oh, that's Mike Awesome. He's the ECW champion. They're like, What is he doing here? It's like, and Paulie didn't know. And then you have this is my favorite story of when he was the champ, and then Taz is over in WWF. He's a contracted WWF guy. Mike Awesome is now a contracted WCW guy. And they were like, we need to get the title off of Mike Awesome. And Mike Awesome didn't want to do it. Mike Awesome was gonna was just gonna piss on ECW and leave. You know, he was gonna do what maybe Medusa was gonna do and take the WWF women's title over to WCW and drop it in the bin. Garbage can, you know. Um, so they concocted this idea of Taz, who again, remember, was a WWF contracted guy against Mike Awesome, WCW contracted guy fighting for the ECW title. <laughs> So, I mean, I think that that it's so bad when you have personalities like that in the locker room. Um, and you're seeing it a lot today in, in both companies where yeah. egos are just huge and nobody can just do business the way they should just do business. And I think that also damaged ECW a little bit because you had egos back there 
um, with as much freedom as Paul gave them, um, just run amok and kind of it kind of damaged it in the backstage areas. And you also got to add in too, like n- near like the 99, 2000 year uh, with ECW, they were not really getting a lot of money paid. Like you mentioned, you know, earlier that they couldn't even compete with, you know, trying to keep some of their talent on the roster. So think of how that morale is and the anger that they're going through. They're just pissed off. You know, they don't want to be there. And you got all the toxic environment now of people not wanting to show up, people dipping out to other companies and pissing on what the company really is. So it was pretty tough. You know, and looking at it too, it's kind of it's kind of sad to see, you know, all the you know, you know, all the egos. And then Paul Heyman was fighting a lot with with TNN at that time between what was it nineteen ninety nine and two thousand one. You had mm-hmm. people, you know, they had of course the backing issues. He was starting to take he was literally was starting to take legal action um against them. And when he threatened that, they kicked him off the they kicked they kicked DCW off the, off TNN. And that's when that's also another point when more talent were starting to go over to the WWF, including Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman would work one more pay per view and then he would leave. And ECW shortly left after closed afterwards, if I'm correct. Yeah, Guilty as Charged uh, was the last pay per view in 2001. That was their last pay per view ever. Because I only were they were going to do one more in on in January thirteenth for um, Living Dangerous, but they got the show got canceled, and that's when ECW led up to ECW invading, you know, Monday Night Raw and helping WCW. We're gonna go. We're gonna talk about the invasion. (laughs) (laughs) We can talk. We can talk briefly about it. I mean, it was. I mean, it was a horrible storyline, but it was a big storyline regardless. Back in that day, when you had all three companies under one umbrella, actually having storylines. Yeah, like it shocked me as a wrestling fan. I was like, "What is going on?" Like, yeah, I was, I was eleven or twelve when that happened. Coming from someone that actually started watching WCW first, and and then seeing as like, and I was like, "That's how I heard of ECW." Is when I was like, "Wait, ECW." Whoa, these guys are coming out of the drowning pool. What's going on here? And then it's like the Dudleys and all this. I was like, what Taz? Like, why are they all turning? What's going on here? So it was a huge thing to me then. But like <laughs> growing up, I'm like, damn, they should have just waited another two years until those guaranteed contracts were over. <laughs> they could have got everyone and had the real matches that we all wanted. Yeah. Um, Matthew, before we continue on, Matthew brings up a very interesting point. Um, if I was Heyman, I would not have sold and waited a year, waited years to get to uh, Jeff Jarrett to help out a little bit and get ECW on Spike. That kind of goes back. If he would have had backing or another network would have picked him up, they would have, like I said, they probably would still be around. But if you also think about the issue is too, the last, you know, athletic commissions in a lot of the states that they're running in. You know, especially like especially places like New York, where W, you know, WWE, WWF at the time had pretty much them in their basically had you know their them in their grasp. People were literally pulling out of. They said they were literally pulling out. That, and fortunately, due to that, and nobody wanted to work with ECW. 
you know, fortunately well, they got is too extreme. Well, well, that's also um, another thing you have to look at back in, back in the nineties, you had um, UFC, the earlier version of UFC was an actual like ultimate fighting thing. Yeah. They had like three rules um, where, you know, but it was still brutal. And a lot of athletic commissions did not want that in their cities. So anything that was similar to it, hence ECW, a lot of places didn't want to host them because of how ultra-violent it looked, um, even though it was scripted. Um, but UFC also just did not have the whereabouts to know they're affecting they were affecting other brands of entertainment or sports entertainment like pro wrestling. And I think, you know, you bringing that up was interesting to me because that touched on, you know, something that I love because I loved watching a documentary about the early – uh, days of UFC, and they talked about that how athletic commissions did not like the ultra violent sport. Yet here we are, they were talking about how they love boxing. It's like, well, boxing's an ultimate vi- violent sport, so how is UFC even different? You know, they're like, well, it could, it could cause death. Well, so can boxing, you know. So I think they looked at ECW as, as a way that they're like, we don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of sad. And then didn't Stephanie McMahon on ECW for a brief time? Or storyline they did? So storyline-wise, it was Shane owned WCW. Stephanie and Paul owned ECW. And then Stephanie, Paul, and, and uh, Shane kind of combined both and called it WECW um, against against WWF. Um, <laughs> and ultimate culminating in that big battle of supremacy between both groups and whoever won pretty much was done. Uh, the other one was done and WWF won uh, thanks to a double turn by Kurt Angle, who originally was going to join WC WECW and turned on them to help WWF win. And that was pretty much the end of the Alliance story. Ouch. That's kind of messy. And don't forget, after the very next night, Ric Flair comes out, and then all the WCW guys start showing up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that whole year, we got Steiner, Goldberg, we got the NWO, we got everyone. We're like, where are we all at? <laughs> we are waiting on our contracts. We're getting paid. I'm actually surprised. I, I don't know why. Maybe you guys, one of you guys can enlighten me. Why never New Jack signed with WWE? Too, too violent. <laughs> they, they didn't want him. Uh, he was a liability, man. I mean, they the, the way that his style was, he was a liability. Um, they they remember that because they, I mean, with WWE, they're a heavy corporation where they, they're doing mm-hmm. background checking everybody. They'll go back seven years and check your social media accounts to make sure you didn't do anything stupid. That's how strict they are at WWE. Um, but now, no, like the difference TNA. with New Jack, he's just violent. He oh, is just ultra violent. Um, he's he had a lot of arrest records. Um, he Don't had a lot of sugar. It's part yeah, of sugar. Yeah, you know, he had a lot of that. Uh, you know, but they just didn't want him. They didn't want that liability. Don't blame he's, him. It's yeah. Do you think the early days of TNA NWA would have hired him on? They would have. Because when he it was, made, when he they were still on pay-per-view? I still don't. Bit. I don't. I don't. I don't think any wrestling promotion would have taken New Jack after ECW went out. I think that's why New Jack did a lot of independent shows. was because no other major money-making corp- yeah. uh, 
promotion wanted him and that liability. They didn't want the loss. It took, yeah, because it took him what a good what few years after ECW closed to even do his few appearances on Impact. Because mm-hmm. I remember him bringing a trash can out to face off against Bully Ray. Yeah, he made a couple appearances on TNA, but he they never signed him full time. Yeah. They just paid him for appearances. They didn't give him a full time contract. <laughs> we'll hire you for the day for like a five minute spot. <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, if you put it on a fifteen minute hardcore match, uh, we'll pay you uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> I'd do that for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Um one one wrestler we actually haven't mentioned throughout this whole time that I thought was brilliant in ECW was Rhino. Yes. Very, very, you can't forget about Rhino. Yeah. Like that man had a spear, gore, whatever you want to call it. Same thing. Like no one else. I still think he still has it today when he's still, it's just, yes. it's just violent. Cause he's just like a, a barrel of a man just coming at you. cuts you in half. Yeah, no, and he was their last world champion before the mm-hmm. relaunch of ECW. He was their last official recognized ECW world champ because uh, he had just beaten Sandman, I think, at yeah, that last Sandman. pay-per-view at Guilty as Charge. Sandman has just won the title in a three-way, and then Rhino came out and won the title after that. Yeah. So, so he was, before the relaunch of ECW on, on for WWE, he was the last official ECW champion in my eyes. And Matt Cardona beat him for that official title. He sure did. <laughs> so technically, Matt Cardona is the last thing. That's true. That is, Matt Cardona, we talked about him a little <laughs> bit in line waiting to enter Dynamite last night about how Matt, <laughs> some of our favorite independent uh, wrestlers, like some of our wrestlers on the independent scene, I, I said Matt Cardona is just owning the independence. Oh, yeah. Like, he's just owning it. And I, leaving w, getting released from WWE was probably the best thing to happen to him. Yeah, and then – as he's kind of start to wind down here a little bit, you know, let's talk about the whole, we'll talk about one night stand in 2005 when we thought there was going to be a resurgence of ECW when literally I think that was the last, what true ECW show. Fair to say? In my eyes. Yeah. In my eyes, I think it was the last true ECW show. I thought, I thought that the, the first one in 2005 was the best. 2006 was good, but it was 2005 that actually brought me back into looking into more hardcore wrestling. That's where I got more into like CCW kind of stuff like that. Because I was like, dude, like we're missing a lot of this. What happened? You know? Not seeing the same drop down toe holds or the same chin locks. <laughs> So, but yeah, no, I thought 2005, I, was that the one where Mike Awesome showed up? Yep. That uh, when he fought, um, uh, gentleman's, uh, Tataka, not, not Tanaka. Yeah. 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 Tanaka. Okay. I'm, I'm like, I don't want to say the name and think of the Indian wrestler, the Tatanka. <laughs> no, it was, yeah, no, it was Tanaka. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Dude, I just remember like being 15 years old watching that and just, I've never seen anyone at the time, like on TV, because growing up, it was always just WWF, WCW, and then it was WWE and then TNA. And that's why I really had throughout the majority of my childhood. So I didn't get to see a lot of this wrestling until YouTube really came out. And then I could research a lot of these indie shows and stuff. 
But watching how they were just throwing the, the chairs violently at each other, the unprotected headshots, <laughs> I was like, holy hell, this is awesome. I want to do this. Like, and, and we would throw on front yard wrestling matches with weapons as 15, 16-year-old kids. <laughs> Nice. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Jumping off roofs. And we didn't have a ring. We had a front yard lawn is what we used. <laughs> so I could thank Mike Awesome for that one. And I think the most iconic the moment was when you had the tag match with the Dudley boys versus Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman making his entrance with enter sandman and just chugging the you know just slamming the beer on the audience and just just coming through like every time i see that video on facebook i immediately stop what i'm doing and i watch it <laughs> it's on tiktok or shorts so and the whole, i feel like that's one of the most iconic moments of that pay-per-view and the whole and ballroom course, is singing it all word for word and then don't forget the if cena is it when did cena and was it cena and rvd, RVD RVD was 06. 06. Because yeah. that was when we had the Essena Wednesday riot signs. Yeah. And I, the, actually, the, the biggest the biggest moment for me in East in 05 for One Night Stand was the Paul Heyman promo. Yes. Because that was true Paul Heyman. It was definitely true Paul Heyman. With, he was saying that every, every one of those Raw and SmackDown, what they call Crusaders, um, <laughs> were up in the balcony. Um I think the best, the two best lines he said are hide your wives, it's Edge. <laughs> and he he looked at JBL and he goes, the only reason you were a champion for almost a year was because Triple H didn't want to work Tuesdays. <laughs> right? It's, it's so true. Yeah. I was like, and that's Paul he- Heyman right there. That is Paul Heyman. And I love it. You could hear it in his voice that he was really, it was profound that he got to ha- be in control of an event like this. Cause like I said, the first one I stand in 05 was literally a love note to what the original ECW was. And you could hear it in his voice. Like he was emotional. You could hear him choking up and stuff like that. When he was like, this isn't WWS, this ain't WCW, this ain't SmackDown. Hell, this ain't even raw. This is in his ECF and W. Yeah. And see, I didn't cuss. Um, but, uh, <laughs> But yeah, you could hear it, and then just him in the iconic trench coat, the hat, the headset down, really crappy ponytail throughout the back of the hat there. Um, he he brought that in, and the way he said that was just truly remarkable, and it was kind of like just those defining moments of like how great of a speaker he is, how he could tap into the emotions of himself, the crowd, and, and the situation of reading the room. And I thought that was great. And then the whole brawl afterwards was kind of like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. And it was kind of hard to see, unfortunately, the direction it went. Mm-hmm. So then they started having more WWF involved over, you know, ECW guys. Uh, there was some stuff with Big Show. And I know they were trying to get some, like, the legends versus some of the younger talent. I know Dreamer was on there. Uh, you saw, you know, people like CM Punk, John Morrison, uh, I think Shelton Benjamin at one time was on there. Wasn't Christian Cage on there as well? Kurt Angle was on, I think, the, the third one-night stand. I think there was technically three. I, I think he was on the 06 one. Yeah. He was on I think 06, he did he wrestled, one 07. Yeah, he too. did 06. He wrestled Orton, and then 07, he did one more. 
and then he jumped ship to TNA. Mm-hmm. And then, and then yeah. oh, go ahead. No, I was say, and then you also had a Mr. Zack Ryder start. He used ECW back, you know, when it was an afterthought, though, but he made the best of it. Mm-hmm. But when he transitioned from, you know, Edge's entourage into Broski, to the woo-woo guy, and the one-leg tight guy, you know? So there was a few good things that happened with the modern ECW. But I feel like it's kind of an afterthought. It is an afterthought because it was just like when you start looking at like the booking they did uh, with the WWE ECW, you know, like like the December to remember Elimination Chamber event. Like we all know that one. It's we've that seen one was it, trash. We've heard it. Yeah. yeah, it was <laughs> trash. And then, but you know, the the weekly shows that they did before the SmackDown tapings, you know. Someone in the comments mentioned that I was going to bring this up when we got to this part was John Morrison, the CM Punk match. Yeah. Though, and I actually saw the event where CM Punk debuted. I'm like, who's this cat? So I got to see Punk debut in WWE when he was awesome. And I still think he's awesome today, but <laughs> yeah. we'll talk about that another another time. <laughs> We've talked about it plenty of times. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but seeing that, you're seeing these these new guys coming from the indies, you kind of bring them, even though they're just kind of just jobbing out for the time, but you saw great matches with those guys. You still had Sabu, RVD in the matches before he, RVD got released. For Fire his for Puff Puff Pass. Yeah. But you saw a lot of these things. And then, oh, who else? Wasn't Orlando Jordan – or no, or yeah, Orlando Jordan wasn't he on ECW for a minute too? I think so. I think so. Yeah, like they they had like a decent like when they first came out with it on Sci-Fi, they're bringing in a lot of the old ECW talent, which was cool. But then they started bringing in a lot of people that were kind of like the goofier part of the roster, like Gene Snitsky. Um, oh, what's the vampire guy's name? Oh, he uh, came out with. Mercedes Martin. Gangrel or Vampiro? Not Vampiro. um, Gangrel? Or is there another vampire? Uh, There's another vampire. There was another vampire? He played Mordecai. Mordecai Not Paul Burchill, right? No. Dude, his pirate character (laughs) was the best. Mm -hmm. Let me see here. ECW vampire guy. <laughs> well, he also had two. Kevin Thorne. Okay. Kevin Thorne. Oh, yeah, Thorne. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're bringing out guys like that where it's kind of like you need to go back to OVW. <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor yeah. Kevin Thorne. I wonder what he's doing now. But a little pop knew. quiz. Do you guys do you guys know who the last official recognized ECW champion was? Christian? WWE? Mm-hmm. Under the WWE ECW umbrella. Was it Matt Hardy? Christian. Didn't they give it to Tommy Drew? No, he lost it that Mm-mm. night. Who was the last one? Ezekiel. Oh, really? Jack- Ezekiel Jackson. Yeah, he was the last yeah. one. Oh, man. And then the last recognized. Career. Well, he went to Lucha Underground a little bit after that. He was in TNA for a while, and then he went to Lucha Underground where he was Big Rick. And then he did Independence, and then he retired in, like, 2015. Huh. I, that's kind of interesting. Totally was about that. Yeah, he beat Tommy Dreamer, right? No, he beat Christian. Christian oh, was the, the champion before, and then Ezekiel beat Christian. 
because Christian had beat Tommy Dreamer. Do you guys remember during the after the invasion angle they had Tommy Dreamer drinking throw up? What? Do you remember Ew. that? Yeah. Like, yeah. That. Yeah. That's uh, that goes back to WWE bearing other promotions' talents. Like after the invasion angle, like Tommy Dreamer was his gimmick was I'll do anything for money to get a job. Yeah. Oh, now just, I remember. He would eat the hockey puck out of the uh, urinals and stuff like that. It was bad. <sighs> Oh, yeah. Poor Tommy. Yeah. Poor Tom. <laughs> well, I, think, I think really the last nail in the coffin, though, was when Vince McMahon became ECW champion and dropped the N-word on TV. Once I think that happened, I think we knew the ECW was going to die. And he came out with the do-rag? Yes. <laughs> I kind of erased that from my mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> but if you think about it, that really was like the really, like you knew. That's what he was going out of control. He was like yeah. fighting Donald Trump, hanging, uh, like fighting Bobby Lashley, talking and slaying, pissing oh off Booker T. And Jonathan Coach, Coachman was just there, just like going with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I remember. Ugh. He wrestled God that year, I think. Wasn't that the same year? Yeah, it's the same year that it was, he like, No, yeah. it was 07. It was 07. Okay. Team refuting with Sean and apparently had the backlash match against Sean and God. And God was just a little spotlight. Like, that was it. That's good shit, pal. That's good shit. Did y'all know that the song that I think, oh, what was it? When God was coming out, it was like the spiritual holy music, and he's like, oh, I need mm-hmm. something more uppity. And he came out to a uh, Funkasaurus's music. Oh my gosh, what? <laughs> he, he's like, There you go. And it's like, Somebody call my mama. I was like, No, they did not. And then I stopped watching wrestling for a couple years after that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was um, 2013. I stopped. I was like, Yep, I'm done. Thank you. Yes. There, was a, there, was a, there was a long period uh, I actually stopped. There, you know, It was actually during the last year of ECW that I did stop watching regularly. I just kind of checked in on WWE.com when they used to have an actual website that was awesome. But, <laughs> and, but then I was just watching TNA because TNA was the alternative. You had everyone. You had the Dudleys. You had the Hardys. You had Christian Cage. You had Matt Morgan that – kind of flopped. You had a lot of the ECW guys out there um, as well. You had Raven. That's when I started watching more TNA. And then that went weird when they brought in Eric Bischoff and Hogan. But that's another just topic. We're going to have to do a TNA episode. I stuck with Lucha. Lucha Underground is what I stuck with for a few years. See, I didn't know. My brother told me about Lucha. And I was like, no way. He's like, yeah, it's different. You got to check it out. And I was like, it's but, like a reality show with yeah, the that's what you were saying. It was it was, it was yeah. great. It was a great show. And then all that all that all that all that madness happened with lawsuits afterwards. Um with Lucha Underground. Well, so a lot of wrestlers show. a lot of wrestlers sued Lucha Underground about contracts and like health stuff. So oh, that's sad. Well Is Brian that- Cage, Thunder Rosa was on that lawsuit. A lot of people were on that lawsuit. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah. 
we might have to do a show on the fall or the rise to fall and rise again of TNA slash impact. And then we need to do a whole episode of Lucha Underground too. So I'll add it to our list of uh, of shows and we'll probably do it some maybe we'll do it sometime in October. Because we got a yes, yeah, we got a huge, huge, huge month coming up in September. <laughs> yeah. That's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun. All right. Well, that's going to do it tonight for our ECW Rise and Fall episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to go to the comment section for the last few moments as we start to, uh, before we sign off. Um, we have Roy watching all the way from Canada. Roy, we appreciate you watching. I know you're a big fan of our AZ Canada group, and I know they really do appreciate it, and we appreciate you coming on. Uh, Matthew says if RVD and Sabu wouldn't have messed up, RVD probably would have won the world title more than one time. What do you guys think? Agreed. He probably would have had a long reign with that first run. Yeah. Um, also, Matthew also said that uh, Sam Punk and John Morris had some of the best matches in the, you know, the last ECW era. So, yeah. And then the last comment from Matt, it was really good at first once they brought it back, but once Heyman left, Vince made it his own vision, like he always Agreed. does. Yeah. Look what happened, you know, currently with NXT. NXT used to be one of the best, that, that, that other, the actual best brand on TV. And then Vince McMahon, once AEW happened, he just had to go in and change it. You know, he had to go put it up against Dynamite. So crazy what could have happened with that one, too. So. You know, Vince does not like to lose. And if it's not Vince's way, it's the highway. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Well, um, before anything you guys want to add before we sign off? I wanted to ask you guys, what was your take on when TNA brought back, like, the reunion for hard justice of the original ECW guys? What was your takes on those? I thought it was a nice little nostalgia thing. I thought it was really cool. Um, but again, that's just another promotion trying to get a cash cow on a promotion that's already dead. You know, it goes back to the whole Shane Douglas pr- promo when he won the title, going from a pr- uh, won a title from a promotion that died seven years ago. Same thing. It's all this reunion with ECW. It's good nostalgia for people like us. But the casual viewer is just going to be like, "What the hell is this? Like, we, I don't get this." You Why know, these old guys they look at each it. Other? Yeah, it's just <laughs> all of us older guys who saw ECW in its heyday, going, "This, this is nostalgia." Where younger fans are just like, "I have no idea what's going on." Yep. But I, I enjoyed it. Um, but again, it goes back to the viewer watching it to seeing that it's just a cash cow. Like right now with the FTW title, I love that Jack Perry's getting a little bit of a spotlight on him now. It just sucks that it's at the expense of the FTW championship. It's in a very interesting place for sure. And I'm curious to see what's going to happen with Jack Perry in the, FT- in the FTW championship. You know, is it going to leave the door open for an ECW legend to come in, beat them for the championship and then retire it? Or do you think Jack Perry is going to hold it until Hook beats him again? You know? There's a lot that could happen with it. So um, for me, though, going back to your question, uh, Mike, I, to be honest with you, I've seen clips of it, but I have no personal like attachment to it just because I've seen it 
just through the clip packages through uh, impact um, their network. So I think it's like, I think it was a good nostalgic trip, but like kind of Adam said, it was just used for a cash grab. So cash grab boost up low ratings. Yeah. Since the only that thing was I would... the, what the Dixie Carter era yeah. <laughs> when DNA was going down pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. I think talk. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say the only really like time I I liked what they did with uh, and this is actually something that Tommy Dreamer produced, so it made sense. Um, but it was back at last was it last year or the year before. It was hard to kill because they had Rhino, Heath Slater, and I believe I'm not sure who else they had. It was and I know it was Violent by Design and Bullet Club with Carl Anderson and uh, Doc Gallows. But that was probably where they paid homage to like extreme championship wrestling, just because I think Rhino got the pin that night too. So I think that was a really good idea towards it. But I think on that, it's just kind of it's hard because you're playing off of ECW. You're playing off of that nostalgic trip. Because if you think about it, people, no matter if it's WWF, WWE, you know, AEW, independent scene, New Japan. People are still chanting the words E C W. So I don't know. It's 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 crazy to see that though things were it sucks the way they ended, but I feel like ECW is more I feel like it's more love than WCW. I feel like it's I think I think I feel like the hardcore fans of ECW are still hardcore fans to this day. Oh yeah, absolutely. They just they've just floated to other promotions that kind of hold that spirit of hardcore wrestling, you know, like a CZW, like a GCW, you know, yeah. all, all those kind of promotions that do like deathmatch kind of stuff, the hardcore kind of stuff. Those fans kind of drove to that from ECW days, you know? Um, and I will say anybody watching right now that had never experienced ECW back in its heyday, I suggest you get Peacock. It's not that expensive. <laughs> it's like five, six bucks a month for the subscription. Go back and go watch some of the old ECW tapings. Uh, the the hardcore TV was some of its best. Uh, ECW on TNN had some good moments. Um, the pay per views were phenomenal. The story between RVD and and Jerry Lynn, um, those matches were phenomenal. Um, so I'm glad we got to do this episode because ECW was secretly my favorite thing back during the Monday Night War era. Um, you know, when I couldn't decide WCWE, WWF, I was like, let's see what ECW's doing, you know, and I, that's how I got involved. So I, I actually watched all three back in the heyday. Well. All right. Well, that's going to do it tonight for Talking Elite. We love to, like, thank you guys all for watching. Hope you guys had a great time tonight and hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Hope you guys share it with your friends. If you guys are watching later down the road, uh, thank you guys so much for coming back and watching Talking Elite episode 31. It was a pleasure tonight, Mike, Adam. Thank you guys so much for being part of Talking Elite tonight on the fall of ECW. Definitely one of my favorite conversations we've had. And Mike, um, door is always open. You are now an official member of Talking Elite. So Thank you. I know really you have the elite zone uh, yeah, official stamp of approval, but but to be on talking elite, man, like it was a real pleasure to have you for sure. 
No, I really appreciate you guys letting me be on here and, and really hearing a lot in depth, especially from you, Adam, being an ECW fan. You know, I like I said, didn't really watch much of it growing up, so there wasn't – I didn't really have a lot. But just hearing it and hearing from a fan's perspective of what you thought was the best, is it's always amazing to hear it from a fan's perspective. So I appreciate you guys letting me be a part of this, hear it from you guys, hear it from the chat. Appreciate it all. And I look forward to the next one. Awesome. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, Mike. I appreciate talking with you, man. I mean, I, I always love talking to newer people in our crew um, that get to be on a show like this where we talk just pro wrestling because um, yeah. you got people who have certain tastes, certain things. And, you know, some people got into stuff later in life than earlier. Um, but I love your energy, man. So and I'm excited to have you part of our crew. Yeah, awesome. I, I look forward to the next few here and I can't wait. Awesome. Well, next week we're going to be talking everything Wembley, um, gearing up for a time of recording for next week's um, Wembley All Out pay per view. So it's going to be a lot of fun, exciting to talk predictions, talk about you know things that have happened the last couple of weeks to build up to probably AEW's WrestleMania because I feel like I feel like the build could have been better, but and we'll discuss that more next week. But I think that it's going to be a good way to kick it off. So. We'll be talking everything Wembley Stadium next week. And then the week after, we will be having another roundup. We are going to be talking and shaking up gimmicks from the WWE, where we're going to fantasy book four superstars. And then I will announce next week on the fifth one that we all have to book. So it's going to be a fun challenge. And then, of course, September is going to be dark side of the All Elite Zone. It's a lot of big things coming up, so make sure you guys hit the bell down below to stay notified on when we go live here on YouTube or Twitch. And then also make sure you check us out, hashtag at AllEliteZone1 on X. Make sure you guys go follow us over there. Follow us on Facebook at AllEliteZonePodcast. Follow us on Podbeam at AllEliteZonePodcast. Spotify, AllEliteZonePodcast. We put a lot of our All Elite, um, Zone episodes up there from interviews to Talking Elites. So we have plenty of content for you guys to enjoy in your busy life. So we'd like to thank you guys again for coming out to Talking Elite. And Adam, please say the final words that you're known for, your famous words. Well, for tonight and good night.